welcome to the Food is Life podcast with me, Jambo, and me, Steph. Okay, Steph. So this week we are talking about macros and what it means. So a lot of people have questions, don't quite know. Talk to me. What are we talking about when we say macros? I feel like macros is the sexy word in the fitness industry sometimes. It kind of makes me fume a little bit. So here we are. Here we are making a podcast about this. Absolutely. So macros there's a thing count your macros or make sure you stick within your macros and you'll be fine and there's other people that ask me what are macros stuff i don't even know why i should be focusing on macros and then i get my lean beans being like oh my god now that i understand macros this makes so much more sense so if we can just do a brief overview on this podcast of what macros are why we need them when you need them i think that is a great place for our listeners to start okay okay steph so talk to me tell me what are macros how many macros are there can i eat them all <laughs> no carbs just <laughs> no, no carbs so we've got three main macronutrients we've got protein we've got fats and carbohydrates so we've got protein and carbohydrates both provide four calories per gram and then we've got dietary fats, which provide nine calories per gram. Within that, if we break that down a little bit further, protein is important for a number of reasons. And to keep it nice and simple for today, protein is, if you think of the human body, is made up of cells. And protein brings the structure, it helps them grow, and it helps to maintain cells. So our bodies are fundamentally made up of protein. So we need protein in our diet to consume it for the maintenance of our hair, our nails, our skin, all our organs, everything. Now I've heard, Steph, that if I have too much protein, it will damage my kidneys. There's research that has been done, from my knowledge, of up to 3.3 grams per kilogram of body weight has no impact on an otherwise healthy individual with no pre-existing kidney conditions. Now if I put that into reality the government recommend 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight so to eat 3.3 grams that's that's a lot of protein like no one is getting up to that amount of that, protein. yeah that's obscene like even that's like eating a whole pig a day <laughs> yeah it's but there's still been no negative impact to that amount of protein so unless you have a pre-existing kidney condition eat away at the protein until the cows come home pun intended yeah mm -hmm. anyway going back to the protein so the main reason that i talk about protein with my lean beans with anyone that wants to lose weight um, anyone that's looking to get better in the gym improve their performance protein keeps you fuller for longer so out of the three macronutrients it's the most satiating nutrient the reason that's important when we're talking about a calorie deficit, for example, calorie deficit is always going to be the primary goal when we're looking to lose weight. So protein is a secondary goal because it helps us to stick to our calorie deficit target because we're staying fuller for longer and therefore it makes it easier. Make sense? Yep. Okay. So that's protein. Oh, Steph, I've got, I've got more questions. So I don't go to the gym and I don't exercise. So surely I don't need protein? Oh, brilliant one. So as I discussed point number one, we are made up as humans of protein. You need, we require a certain amount of protein in our daily intake to survive and function optimally, right? So 
yes, you could argue you don't need that much protein just to survive, but we don't want to just survive. We want to be happy, healthy, strong, fit, able, and having enough protein in your diet definitely has an impact on that. Yeah. Come on to the next, next macro. All right. So the second macronutrient we're going to talk about is dietary fats. Now, let's not confuse dietary fats with body fat. That's one of the biggest things that people confuse all the time. So if I'm eating a dietary fat, such as an avocado that contains dietary fat, that is not therefore just going to be going stored as body fat, right? So You'd be surprised how many times I hear that. I know, but it's literally just because it's called the same thing. Yeah. That's funny, isn't it? When we're looking at dietary fats, we are looking at it provides a source of energy for the body. It helps with things like regulating cholesterol. It helps with our heart health. It's basically the health macronutrient. Another thing that we can think about, and this is going to a little bit of science now, but we've got two types of vitamins. So we get fat-soluble vitamins and water-soluble vitamins. We require some fat or dietary fat in our diets to help absorb and uptake the vitamins, the fat-soluble vitamins, into our system. Does that make sense? Yep. Cool. I, I mean, you covered it, but I, I hear it a lot in, the in again, the gym environment where people like, are oh, fat equals fat. And in fact, obviously, fat has, obviously has a lot of benefits in our day-to-day diet. Um, so you covered that one. Oh. Next one. So my favorite macronutrient of all time, I don't know. If mine, mine too. <laughs> mine that by now, is carbohydrates. So carbohydrates provide the preferred fuel source, the energy source for the brain and the body. If you've ever been on a low carbohydrate diet, a good example of this is how much your mood swings go up and down. You have just less motivation to be alive, be awake, definitely less motivation to train and exercise carbohydrates are the preferred fuel source and we need to remember that for the brain and the body so another reason carbohydrates are important they provide fiber so fiber again is something that helps to keep us fuller for longer and carbohydrates the sources of them also provide some form of vitamins and minerals as well so there's a breakdown i've heard though that if i have carbohydrates after six o'clock it'll get turned to fat yeah, obviously, because it stimulates your insulin and then an insulin turns into fat and then you're fat forever. So, yeah. No. <laughs> so, I think this, I'm going to go into this. I'm going to go on a little rant quickly. So, what happens, right, is I've talked about this in a previous podcast, but just in case you either haven't listened to this podcast or this is a good story anyway, Debbie wants to lose weight. She goes on a low carbohydrate diet. She then gets on the scales on day seven and she's lost. 10 pounds she's like jesus definitely the carbohydrates that were making me fat so what debbie hasn't taken into consideration is that she's actually taken the carbohydrates out of her diet and she's then in a calorie deficit by default debbie's been in a calorie deficit she's lost weight she's also lost a bit of water weight because when you eat carbohydrates when you store them into your system you also store them with a little bit of water which therefore means if you take carbohydrates out of your diet you're then not holding on to that extra water. So carbohydrates after six is just a load of old codswallop. Like it doesn't matter what time you eat your carbohydrates, you're, as long as you're in your calorie deficit, you're going to be fine. Yeah, we did do a, a podcast on low carbohydrate diet. So if this is a subject that you want to hear more about, go check that one out. 
Steph, I've got some questions about some of the macros. Now, I want to start off with protein. I think it's a big buzzword in society at the moment, especially in the fitness world. So first things first is, what, do I need to consume protein in the anabolic window to make sure that I get all those gains? And if I miss the anabolic window, <laughs> has my gym session been for nothing, barring putting it on Instagram? It's literally pointless you going to the gym if you don't have your protein shake after. No, obviously not. I'm being way too sarcastic today. The anabolic window, again, is another sexy word that is just so irrelevant. The research shows if you do a gym session and you want to maintain the gains, so what happens if you go to the gym and you're trying to build some muscle or maintain some muscle in your biceps? You do some bicep curls. Yeah, Jambo's doing a uh, bicep. Thanks. <laughs> God, you're so muscular, Seth. <laughs> I don't even know the terminology. Look. So you go into the gym and you do some bicep curls. So what happens is you actually tear those muscles. And when we, I think Ross spoke about this actually, is you minutely tear these muscles. Yeah, microfiber so, tears, yeah. Might, that's the one. So the theory is you then need to consume some protein straight after the gym so that you can repair those muscles really quick and get the most out of your gains. We know from the research that this anabolic window that Jumbo likes to talk about, so this is just when you're consuming your protein after the gym, basically, is actually you're still sensitive to receiving this protein 24 up to 48 hours, depending on the type of exercise you've done, after your gym session. So what I say to anybody that asks me this is you can go home, you can relax, you can chill out, you can go in the shower, you might even have a bath, it takes a little bit longer, as long as... Have a bath. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. over the next 24 hours, as long as you consume enough protein, you're going to be fine and you will be safe and your, all your gym gains have not gone to waste. Okay, that's good to know because I don't really like protein shakes. So, uh, Another question actually on the, on the protein shakes that I think people need to hear is a lot of people that first get into the new lifestyle of being fit and healthy think that protein shakes are vital you need to have them if you go to the gym it's something that drives me a little bit insane talk to me do i need to have protein shakes if i'm being active so the other side of this too which leads into my story is people are like all oh, protein shakes are bad for you oh you should only have protein shakes if you're a gym goer so if i was walking this is a question to you, jambo if i was walking down the street walking past you ignoring you because that's what i probably would do yep with a glass of milk in my hands would you judge yeah. me being like, oh my God, she shouldn't be drinking that glass of milk. That's really bad for her. Yes or no? No, I'd probably say, have you got another glass of milk for me? <laughs> okay. So if I'm walking down the street with a protein shake, let's say you're Sandra from accounts. You're not Jumbo now. Okay. And I'm walking with a protein shake down the street. What's Sandra going to say to me? She's like, oh, you oh yeah. You shouldn't be doing that. No. So my response to Sandra from accounts, protein shakes is literally a condensed form of milk. That's all it is. So people are like children, they shouldn't be drinking protein shake. It's just milk. It's literally it's just, a powdered form of milk. Am I right in saying this? Now, I think the, the process of say like a whey protein is they actually take milk and heat it to 70 degrees for 10 minutes and then reduce it again and heat and reduce and heat and reduce until you're left with the whey product. Yeah. So it's just basically eking out or seeping out the protein part of the milk. Because obviously in milk, you get protein, fats, carbs. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, continue in your rant or no i'm good <laughs> <laughs> okay so my next question for you steph is i want to hear about carbohydrates now is one thing i hear a lot if i cut out carbohydrates then i'm going to lose weight and I, we have done a podcast on this or i'm not that active so i don't need carbohydrates uh, i think it's a bit of a myth that goes around that carbohydrates are the bad macro is there such thing as a bad macro there's no such thing as a bad macro, just a bad overall diet. And what I would say to anyone, and you guys have heard me say this on the podcast too a lot now, is if you are someone that enjoys carbohydrates, eat them within moderation, within your calorie targets. And the problem with, one of the problems that comes with carbohydrates is it's very easy to overeat on bread. Like if you get, if you get like, you know, one of those long baguette things that, you get from the supermarket like you can easily eat like half maybe half. i ate three quarters of one <laughs> on sunday so <laughs> there we go we're talking about like the long length ones here right yeah. they're easy to overeat like you can eat and eat and eat carbs and when even if you come down to the form of sugar so haribos for example i've had to buy jambo some what was it the tamfastix haribo before and i watch him eat the whole packet fine absolutely fine but You've got to consider the calorie content in there because they're easy to overeat. Yeah. Don't fill you up like protein is going to fill you up, for example. Like who in this world eats like, imagine eating a steak the size of, I don't know. A toaster. Oh, yeah, a toaster. Go on. Could you eat a steak the size of a toaster? This, uh, this is a four-bit bread, four-piece toaster. <laughs> four bits of bread. I'll give it a good go. Yeah, but how full and... Oh, I'd be so full. Yeah. So, full. so there's, there's one of the differences, and that's one of the things to take into consideration with carbohydrates, if I'm going to have any slight negative attitude towards them, shall we say. Okay, another question about uh, carbohydrates. Um, something we've discussed before, something I'm guilty of doing myself, is that I'll look at something that is... 150 calories and i'm thinking about a certain energy drink there are others available but i'm talking about monster uh, i think it's about 180 calories per can of monster which is basically all sugar so it's got 40 grams of sugar in it and i will put that can down and be like oh, it's got 40 grams of sugar in that's not good for me is it at any point okay to have high sugar foods if you're otherwise not diabetic or any problems with your blood sugar regulation, then there's nothing wrong with having a lot of sugar. Like if you're someone that's really active, for example, I'm going to assume Jumbo that you're drinking these drinks in or around the gym. Strictly training times. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Same, so same, same with my Harry bow one I just had as well. <laughs> yeah. So if you're, for example, you put them to a good use, like, everyone knows of the sugar rush you get like you eat a whole pack of haribo you know you're going to be feeling a little bit hyper for a while and yes. using that to improve your gym performance or let's say you're a sprint athlete and you're you've gone to a competition having some sugar there absolutely fine would i recommend it for the average joe debbie and sandra no i mean there's just no need for it is it just regulate it like you best know how um, but it's not inherently bad for you, no. Okay, I've got two questions now. Okay, oh. so I love fizzy drinks, or as I like to call them, soda pups, and I will always get the sugar-free 
soda pops. So are they bad for me? Is the aspartamate going to kill me? Oh, this is a good one. Okay, so all the research that's been done in artificial sugars has been done in rats and mice. Okay, so let's take diet or soda pops. Diet Coke, pops. for example, right? So what happens is the researchers give these mice Diet Cokes or soda pops or whatever it is, right? Soda pops. And they give them so much. The research that concludes artificial sweeteners are bad for us at the moment in the research from what we know is these mice have been plowed more diet coke soda pups than a human can realistically ever consume a day like we're talking about like hundreds of cans a day like obviously if you're given that much soda pup then <laughs> then you're going to die or you're going to see the inside of your grave earlier right so from what we know in the research in the moment, if you're having one to two cans of soda pops a day, then you're not going to see the inside of your grave early from what we know. So, <laughs> so while I'm in my calorie deficit and I'm having one can of Fanta Fruit Twist soda pop every night, I'm okay. You're going to be so okay, it hurts. So my next question to you, Steph, is can you get addicted to sugar i've heard that if i have soda pop with sugar in it i can get addicted you had what sorry soda pop. thank you <laughs> i recognize that one. yeah so if i have a so soda pop with sugar in it uh am i, am I all of a sudden gonna be addicted oh so i'm gonna throw a question back at you to answer this if i was standing here with a packet of sugar right here now are you gonna be like Steph, I really need to eat that. Like, I, I need that. I'm addicted to it. No. Yeah, no. I'll answer that for you. You're not addicted to sugar. You're addicted to the taste that, and the sensation that we get from the soda pups, soda the, pups. Fats, the fats, the salt, the sugar, like how it's all packaged together. That is what you're loving. And therefore, I don't know, addiction is the right word. I don't really like to use that word around sugar because I just think it's a load of our cod swallow. Obviously, we're going off on a bit of a tangent here, but when we're talking about soda pop, is um, I hear it a lot, and it's like uh, that diet coke is um, as addictive as heroin and all this nonsense. Can we just stamp out this myth straight away for anyone listening? I think it's just. I mean, I would like to hear from a listener that thinks they are addicted to soda pop, and I would like to know their reasons why. And I'm not saying. You're not addicted. I would just like to know why. But in my opinion and experience and from the research that I've read, it's not possible. From the nutritional standpoint. Yeah, I'd probably say it's more habit than it is yeah. Yeah, so the nutrition. Psychological is different. So my next actual question is about fats. And I'm, I'm going to maybe, again, trip you up here. I think we've actually spoke about this on a podcast before, if I remember rightly. You took uh, me up whilst I've got the milk in my hand or? Well, potentially. But I think, I think maybe it was either we were having one of our DMCs one night or it could have been actually on an earlier podcast. But talking about oil, now we're talking about fats and we're talking about oils. Now, some oils are labelled as healthier than others. And um, I've actually, I can remember through my whole 30 years alive, 31 years alive, 
at some stage one different oil was better to have because it had better health benefits we went through olive oil phase we went through avocado oil phase rapeseed oil uh, coconut oil was a big thing for a while now what i want to know is is there any difference out of any of these in terms of fats so my quick answer is no and then my longer answer is between the different fats you've got a different ratio of the type of fats in it so when we break down dietary fats we've got unsaturated saturated and trans fats so for example coconut oil is higher in saturated fats and lower in unsaturated fats so it, it goes with the times of the whole diet and industry really doesn't it like when fats were like a thing that should be absolutely avoided because they're definitely what makes you fat it's understanding that there's nothing inherently like we talk, spoke about with carbs there's no such thing as a bad fat dietary fat it's just a bad overall diet one thing i would say just on a little tangent with dietary fats is like i said at the start fats contain nine calories per gram whereas the other two macronutrients contain four calories per gram so density wise so things like avocado fatty fish, meats, for example. Feta. feta. yeah, I was going to say dairy, feta, all that stuff is, is calorie dense for what you get. So if you have like a handful of avocado and you have another hand, your other hand of toast, you're going to have less calories in that slice of toast than you are in the avocado. But then you've got to weigh up, okay, so if I'm going to eat the avocado, I've got a little bit more nutrition in there, but then I've also got to weigh up what's my actual goal. I've got less calories in the toast or the toast. I don't know why it's suddenly toasted <laughs> in the bread. <laughs> so you've got to weigh these things up. And it's like I say all the time too, is you can eat as many avocados and as many lettuce leaves as you want. Yes, it's nice and nutritious and nutrient dense, but if you're eating too much of it and you're not in a calorie deficit, then you're not going to lose weight. So looking at, I actually put this um, up on my stories the other day, looking at me eating a slice of bread in isolation, someone on looking to that is going to say, oh, she's trying to lose weight and she's eating all these sandwiches and all this bread. It's like, yeah, but you don't know what I'm eating for the rest of my calorie intake for the day. Maybe I'm having salads and nutrient dense foods for my breakfast and my dinner, for example. I'm ranting. You've got a question. Go on. Yeah, no, I'm just desperate to know. So so what are the difference between saturated fats, um, unsaturated fats and trans fats? So unsaturated fats, we know they are the ones that are good for our heart health, good for regulating cholesterol levels, good for providing us with a source of energy for the body. Saturated fats have come out in the research as neutral. So they're not necessarily great and they're not terribly bad. So having unsaturated fats in your diet in moderation, no problem at all. Then we've got trans fats. So trans fats are fundamentally a man-made man man version of fats. If you have, let's say, a fat is three molecules, a little bit of science, what happens is a human comes along, adds another molecule to that fat, and then that helps to preserve the shelf life, increase the taste, the palatability of that fat. So those are the ones that if you're going to avoid any, those are the ones but yeah. and where would and where would we find trans fats more so trans fats are in things that well just look on the shelf and things that are that can be on the shelf for like six months yeah that's where you're going to find trans fats so things like biscuits crisps 
uh, one thing that, again, we spoke about this on a previous podcast is uh, ready meals notoriously before had high trans fats in them and the shelf life of ready meals has actually come down because when I was younger, you could buy ready meal and it could be in your fridge for two, three weeks and still be fine. Whereas now you were talking about five days max. Uh, and I really remember there was a campaign to reduce the amount of trans fats in ready meals when I was younger. Yeah, exactly. And that is a very massively positive thing that has come out of, well, marketing these days because the nutrition industry is a lot better at reducing trans fats. Does that mean we need to avoid them at all costs? No, because, you know, everyone still enjoys a trans fat every now and then. <laughs> yeah, talk to me. <laughs> I love a baked or tart. Yeah, so again, this comes back to living with the 80-20 rule. So making sure the majority of the time, yes, you're eating nutrient-dense foods, and then allowing yourself still to have trans fats, have lots of sugar, have whatever you need to keep you satisfied and motivated. And that therefore helps you stick to your goals and your calories a lot easier, in my personal coaching opinion. Okay, so sorry, we're going, we've gone exactly answered what I wanted. Now I have another question that I'm just going on a tangent myself here is um, a lot of people ask me, I mean, I cook a lot. And people ask me what oil is the healthiest to cook with. I tend to like to use coconut oil simply because of its cooking purposes, its qualities, as in it smokes at a higher temperature, so you can cook, get a better crisp with it. Is there anything on the nutrition side that I should be cooking with? So the only thing I would say is cooking at high temperatures is the more you burn things, for want of a better word, and I'm quite good at doing that myself, is... <laughs> the more carcinogenic the foods are going to be. Now, I'm not saying you go and have a steak that's really well done and you're going to get cancer. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. It's just being aware that if you're eating lots of things that are able to be cooked at a high temperature, like bacon, steak, fish, deep fried chips, any deep fried food is not necessarily conducive to a healthy diet if you're doing that all the time but yeah i mean this is going down a rabbit hole of how should how should we be cooking our foods um and there's there is research to show look try and keep the heat down so cooking in the microwave try and keep it level more but again this is under the umbrella of overall health and well-being things like managing your sleep managing your stress levels being more active are still going to have like 93.7% more of an impact than discussing yeah. what type of oil you should be eating, if that makes sense. Yeah. So in answer to your question in a roundabout way, <laughs> is eat with what you want, what you prefer the taste of, and don't overthink it. If you're someone that is tracking your calories, have a look at where you get most bang for your buck and then go with that. Yeah. Okay, we have gone on um, a massive tangent. Obviously, we've gone from... Um, we're talking about macros. We're now talking about uh, what oil to cook with, at what temperatures and um, deep fried food. So let's get back onto macros. So I want to hear an overall of each macro, Steph, which are the best and lay it out straight. Perfect. So this is predominantly a weight loss podcast. People that may exercise or may not, which is absolutely fine. So what I'm going to outline to you is calories is always going to be your primary goal not a macronutrient but that is your focus calories in versus calories out is how you manage your weight 
Under that level, we've got protein, fats, and carbohydrates, the three main macronutrients. Protein is always going to be your secondary goal because protein helps keep you fuller for longer. Therefore, it's going to help you stick to a calorie deficit easier. As I teach my lean beans, when it comes to carbohydrates and fats, they both provide a source of energy for the body. So these two are interchangeable. There's going to be some people that are fueled better on a high carb diet, some people that are fueled better on a high fat diet. And when I say fueled better, I mean day-to-day -day living. So their focus and their energy levels, their mood swings, um, how well they are able to be productive at work, for example. So most people won't see any difference between whether they have a higher fats or higher carbs, but these two are interchangeable is what I'm getting at. So take home points also I want you to remember is protein and carbohydrates, four calories per gram, fats, dietary fats contain nine calories per gram. Perfect. Um, and I, I'd just, I mean, that's perfect. And what I'd add to that is just to be very wary of myths that you hear any around any diet culture myths or what you might hear in the gym um i think there's sometimes they're overdressed up a bit and overcomplicated. just strip it right back calories yeah. in first calories out yeah another one that we didn't touch on that i get asked even by my lean beans when they first start with me is should i be eating low fat products or full fat products so whether that's yogurt milk etc so just to cover that quickly before we go is so let's take yogurt as the example. So if we've got full fat versus low fat yogurt, full fat contains more calories, more protein, more fats. You've got a low fat yogurt, which is going to contain less calories, same amount of protein and less fats. If you're on a weight loss journey, my suggestion is always steer towards the low fat option because you can then save a few calories and then consume them elsewhere in your day and chew a little bit more somewhere else in another snack. Do you have to do that? No, obviously it depends on personal preference and how you want to structure your calories out. But that's just something to consider. And I thought I would just uh, quickly mention before we go. Oh, it's a lovely little uh, point you made there. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's quite um, poignant in the, I guess the food market right now is that there seems to be a lot of low fat options. And I guess it's something that we never really discuss as you know what is a better option to take the low fat option or just the regular so yeah and even once you finish dieting once you've lost the weight do you need to go low fat or full fat it's completely up to you like i probably go between the two so mm. yeah no absolutely okay steph so um breaking it down into macros you've you've given us the brief um obviously very basic don't well, don't overthink it a little bit i think calories in calories out are the most important thing you can have carbohydrates after six o'clock <laughs> fats aren't going to turn you fat you don't need to take protein in the anabolic window and i can drink as much soda pop as i want i can't think of a better concluding <laughs> sentence <laughs> perfect okay steph so where can we find you you can find me on social media at foodislife.nutrition, or you can find my website, www.foodislifenutrition.com. Jambo, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram. It's at jambo.the.great. Perfect. Been lovely, Jambo. Thank you. This has been a fun one. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for tuning in, guys. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do subscribe. We welcome any subscribe. And in return, our DMs are always open. Come and find us, ask us a question. Um, we love it. Yeah. 
do reach out people if you have any questions or you just want to say hello give us a shout love it thank you jumbo thank you right we'll see you guys next time bye 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 bye